Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. Welcome to the Tuesday, June 23rd edition of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. And listen, today is your show. Today is power to the pod, and the pod of Dolphins did not disappoint. We have a record high for iTunes reviews to work our way through. Lots of questions today, and no shortage of topics to get into, so we're going to dive right in. But if I do not get to your topic, Make sure you swing over to DolphinsWire.com. I'm the managing editor there of USA Today's Wire sites for the Miami Dolphins. And TheDraftNetwork.com if you have a more draft-specific question. I am still doing, in addition to my college scouting work right now, uh, I am doing some written content over there as well. But your best bet, if it's a Dolphins question, is probably DolphinsWire.com. As I said, record of iTunes reviews and you kind souls all gave me five stars, which means I have to read all of your questions. Um, Starting with today's the 23rd, so... Okay, first one comes from uh, Rucker23. Put his handle in there. Go PSU, go Fins. Should the dearth of experience at the tight end position, be a major cause for concern. It's Gasecki and not much else is any proven talent. Does Gailey's system utilize the tight end? Thanks for your hard work. Uh, no. Long story short, I think the uh, the tight end position is going to be... Gasecki was more of a receiver than a, a, a raw tight end anyway, so I don't think his value will be mitigated, and I think he's the second best option in the passing game. Uh but I would expect a lot of 11 personnel where you've got one tight end and one running back on the field. That tight end's going to be Gasecki. They're going to spread it out. Uh, I don't think you'll see a lot of traditional eye formations. You're going to see a lot of shotgun, a lot of three wide receiver sets. And even Gasecki, you know, they might put him in the backfield as an H-back. They might put him in the slot if they're going to run some screen game or quick game out there and need a big body to rub off of for, for uh, rub concepts to create some quick separation. So... No, I, I'm not overly concerned uh, with the tight end position because with the way this offense is going to be structured, it's going to be more spaced. So good question, though, Rucker. STR wants to know which rookie player is going to surprise us and push out a veteran player off the roster. Um, and it's it's tough because this is such a young roster in general, right? I do look at Kurt Merritt, uh, who has all the physical tools, and I think if he can prove himself from a receiving standpoint, I think he's the best possible surprise to make the roster. Uh, Benito Jones is another one, but I really don't know what veteran he's going to push off the roster. Like The veteran players on the defensive line are like Avery Moss, Zach Seiler, who was a waiver wire pickup anyway. So, like, I... (sighs) I would say Kirk Merritt has the best chance of doing it. Do I think that actually happens? I'd be surprised, but we're never going to say never. Uh, Dab Marino. How beneficial would it be for the secondary if Brandon Jones comes in and secures a starting spot immediately? 
can you elaborate on the domino effect this will have on the rest of the unit? So, I don't think Brandon would do that. And even if he did, I'm not sure it's beneficial to the multiplicity Miami wants because I don't think Brandon Jones is a deep free safety. He's more of a traditional strong safety, that Patrick Chung type role. So if you put him in base formations, he'd have to play strong safety, which would then in turn bump Eric Rowe off the field. So if you're going to play a team that's maybe a little bit more run heavy, perhaps then it would benefit you to get Eric Rowe off in favor of Brandon Jones, a little bit more physical tackler. But it would be it would it would have to be matchup specific because Rowe in coverage, in my opinion, is much has much higher ceiling and much more experience, obviously, than what Brandon Jones does. So that's a difficult proposition. I think that's a week by week thing, but at the same time, I also think that's how the Dolphins would like to have it. Uh, JT Painter, I like this one. This one came in on Wednesday last week. JT says, I've been a Cowboys fan all of my life. Um, my wife was before she met me, so I understand your pain to some degree. Uh, but have recently started following the Dolphins closer to be able to talk to my dad more about the Dolphins as they were his favorite team since childhood. Really starting to like the Dolphins more and more and have even considered changing my fandom to the Dolphins. What would your recruiting pitch be to me as to why I should swap to rooting for the Dolphins instead of the Cowboys? Um, if I were to draw some parallels between the two organizations, I really appreciate what Will McClay, uh, who is the guy who runs the drafts there in Dallas, has done for drafting. Uh, Dallas hit the jackpot with a quarterback and Dak Prescott, but now they're going to pay the price for getting a bunch of years on a cheap rookie contract where they're going to have to pay him like premium money to stay there. Uh, the appeal for Miami is this organization has struggled to find any level of sustained success. I think about the Dallas fan base, and Dallas's fans, being a, a guy who works in the draft industry, uh, they, I would say many of them don't appreciate what they have in a team that is generally competitive, and, and obviously the Jason Garrett years didn't yield a lot of playoff success, but the success of that team, here, here's a good example. I saw a thread on social media over the weekend that was explaining why life is so hard as a Green Bay Packers fan. And it went through all of the disappointments of the 2010s for the Green Bay Packers, who, by the way, went 102-56, and 56, made it to eight playoff appearances, seven consecutive playoff appearances, four conference championship games, and won a Super Bowl in the decade. And there is a thread saying, man, yeah, life really sucks as a Packers fan. Here's why. Do you know how many people would kill to change spots with you? Dallas is not to that degree. But Dolphins fans, it's going to be fun when the come-up finally happens because it's been 25 years for Miami since they like legitimately were like, oh, yeah, we got a chance to win a Super Bowl. I guess you could point to the early 2000s years with Ricky Williams and Dave Wanstatt, but like even then, like the the defense was so talented, but the the quarterback position was a big bugaboo. So 
it's going to be fun for the come up. The Dolphins are building a team the right way, and they are building a team that you think about Dallas. Dallas just got done paying all these monster contracts out, right? Miami has much more flexibility. Miami has uh, just as much promise moving forward. Dallas is a much more mature, mature football team. Um, and, and I think the Dolphins deserve some credit for getting creative with their rebuild and fast-tracking it to a certain degree where they've brought in so many new pieces and, and Brian Flores is probably the easiest guy in the world to root for. So you got Tua, Brian Flores, Chris Greer as the uh, trio of faces for the, this Dolphins organization that I think is a really likable group of guys. The fan base is going to be really fun to see when the success comes. And the Dolphins fans are, you know, they don't take themselves as seriously as Dallas fans do. But they're also grounded and understand that life sucked for a while. That's <laughs> being a Dolphins fan. Uh, Zach, ODU. If you could guarantee an undefeated season plus Super Bowl win within the next three years and at least three more Super Bowl years in the following 10 years, but the cost is losing to the filthy stinking Jets for every game in those 10 years, would you do it? Yes, absolutely. Now, first of all, it would be losing eight consecutive games to the Jets. No, 18 consecutive games to the Jets because we'd have an undefeated season in your hypothetical. If I, I would do it, I would lose 10 games, 10 years worth of games to the Jets if it meant I got one Super Bowl in the next 10 years. I'm going to be a whore for a Super Bowl. I don't care. <laughs> I want to win. I want to experience a winning franchise. So if that means uh, I can just mark two games down as L's on the schedule, but I know I'm getting several Super Bowls over that stretch. I don't care. I'll lose a game in the regular season. Piss off, New York. Go right in. Enjoy your hollow week three victory. Yes, to answer your question, I would absolutely positively sign up for that right now. I'm going to talk to you all about our friends over at Built Bar. Uh, if you've been listening to the show for any amount of time, you know full well my stance on Built Bars as the world's elite protein bar because they're a protein bar that eats like a candy bar they've got delicious flavors and right now you know we've been talking about our promo code but there's another promo going on on the website that is well worth your time so if you're looking for a meal replacement a post-workout meal a light snack throughout the course of the day that's between 110 and 150 calories as much protein as your standard protein bar but one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar which is just unbelievable witchcraft to concoct such a bar but that's neither here nor there. Right now, Built Bar has a flash sale, 50% off. If you buy four boxes, you're getting 50% off your order. So you can get four boxes for the price of two, which is unbelievable. And it extends beyond the $10 promo code that we've been plugging here on over the course of the last couple of weeks uh, on Locked On Dolphins and Draft Dudes, which I do with Joe Marino. And uh, we've been champions of Built Bar, and it's because we really stand behind the product. It's an excellent bar. So if you're looking for something new, swing over to BuiltBar.com right now because this is an offer that is too good to be true. I definitely cashed in on it. I got like six more boxes coming. So find out what Built Bar's fuss is all about on the Locked On Network. Swing over to BuiltBar.com and check out this flash sale while it lasts. 
That is it for the iTunes reviews. That is all that is showing in my queue as things currently stand. If you left one in the meantime, my sincerest apologies. It did not show up, but I did have some lingering ones from before Power to the Pod last week uh, that didn't show up until after I recorded that I read today. So I'll get to you. If you leave me five stars, I'm going to read your review. Okay. I talked about being a whore for a Super Bowl. I'm a whore for five star reviews too, and I've got no shame about it. Damn it. Switching to Twitter questions. Man, I really like this first one. It's from Brad Wolf. Uh, Brad Wolf Design. A few alternate ideas I had for the Dolphins. What do you think? And it's four uniform kits for Miami that are proposals of alternate uniforms. Uh, Brad, you got the wrong logo on here. He's got like the, the early 2000s logo. But other than that, I will say this. This, is, this might be a hot take. The Dolphins desperately need a light gray alternate uniform top to bottom. Call me crazy. He has a Dolphins gray uniform concept in here. And it's got teal numbers, white trim, orange trim outside of that on the numbers, teal and orange shoulder stripes, just like the retro uniforms that we have now. But it's like, very light gray. They look good. You know, so Seattle has these gray uniforms, right? Let me let me have my producer double check the color on these. So they're a little bit lighter. The concept is a little lighter than the grays, but the Seattle grays look awesome. I'm sorry, they do. You know, say what you will about these kind of shoulder bands that they've got on them. Uh, but gray is a criminally underused color for logos. And the dolphin specifically, what color is a bottlenose dolphin? It's gray. Let's go. Sign me up for the gray, con the gray alternate concepts. He also has a Miami Vice. And I know that's a big hot thing because of the, the Heat Vice unis. And the Heat make it look super sexy. But I don't really think it works for the dolphins, honestly. Like, every, everybody... Everybody under the sun in the 2000s had like a black alternate, right? Miami had the navy blue for like one year or whatever it was, but like everybody had black. Let's stay away from the black. Let's stay true to the, the color palette a little bit, right? I do like he's got a white concept here, and instead of orange, like stripe, he's got the sun um, visual. Like the, the sun behind the dolphin in the logo, he's got that as the stripe on the pants and the jerseys. And I like that too. I get down with that. Uh, so, a couple good concepts. Uh, Alejo, congrats, Kyle, first of all. Big changes ahead. Uh, so, if you missed it over the weekend, uh, my wife and I announced we were expecting our first child, which we are very excited to add to the dolphin's family and uh, get a new fan and start him young. And, and here's hoping a... Child will grow up knowing nothing for the first decade and a half of his life than one franchise quarterback and a couple Dolphins Super Bowl victories and have everything I didn't. <laughs> because by the time I was 10, Marino retired. But we're obviously very excited about that. So thank you to everybody who offered uh, warm wishes with the news over the weekend. We're four months along, so it'll be here uh, before we know it. Uh, due date is late November, early December, somewhere in that two-week strike zone. 
Uh, but Alejo's question is, is Gailey a long-term answer at offensive coordinator or just a smooth in for Tua in a simplified quote-unquote air raid offense for one or two years? Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's a long-term answer. Uh, and I'm super encouraged that Brian Flores has dipped into the college coaching pool for outside linebackers coach and defensive backs coach this year uh, because conceptually these spread offenses, maybe not so much of a true air raid that as Alejo worded it, um, but a spread, college spread, modern spread, RPO concept, so on and so forth. That's so much more prevalent in the college game that being comfortable with bringing college coaches to the pro level uh, is going to be really helpful as we look to fill positional coaches and potentially an offensive coordinator with a big name, which wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Miami goes out and gets a big, sexy offensive uh, college uh, play caller would be what I would probably fade towards if I was trying to guess how they're going to handle that. But um, because conceptually, it's all it's all you're reading. The terminology might change a little bit, but you're reading defenders and spacing the field and, and isolating mismatches and attacking weaknesses. And you can find that at the college level just as readily as you can, especially with this kind of uh, revolution that we're seeing amid the, the NFL game and how offenses are constructed. Uh, Bill... Uh, really think the Dolphins are close to playing for a playoff spot, signing a vet at tackle on a one-year deal instead of throwing both rookies into the fire should put us over the top. What are your thoughts? I think things have to go right for Miami to get into that position, but I don't disagree with you. I think a 500 club this year is what my expectations are for Miami. Obviously, with the, the COVID situation has uh, preparations off schedule, and that, that may weigh a heavier toll on the Dolphins than what we expect. And I certainly agree with you that that adding a vet left tackle, Jason Peters, still out on the market. You sign him on a one-year deal for cheap, and you put him at left tackle, and yes, it's going to make the offense better, no questions asked. Will Peters stay healthy? You know, Are you going to pay for the mentorship alone, and is that going to be worth it? Those are questions the Dolphins have to ask. But Bill, I don't think you're wrong. I just don't know if the Dolphins are planning on doing it because I don't know if they want to necessarily um, – put off the player development by keeping young players off the field. Uh, Dylan McKeague, team boy or team girl? I'm either going to have a quarterback or I'm going to have the first female quarterback to play in the NFL. <laughs> so my kid's going to be around football for sure. Uh, it'll be a blessing either way, and I'm going to be excited no matter what we get, whether it's boy or girl. Ex-journo Danny Leon uh, wants me to compare Miami's receivers to the ones Tua threw at at Alabama. That's a great question. Uh, I would say this, uh, Devontae Parker probably most closely resembles Jerry Judy. Jakeem Grant probably most closely resembles Henry Ruggs as a pure speed guy. Devonta Smith probably most closely resembles... Albert Wilson and Jalen Waddle is a non-comparable dude's a freak speed guy. Just like, uh, just like out Henry Ruggs is, but I would say this you're downgrading at a minimum at three of the four spots. And, and that's, that has been a big bit of feedback that I continue to get, uh, for, 
Dolphins fans, and I wrote about this for Dolphins Wire. It talked about you know three positional groups that are still under construction for the Dolphins, and wide receiver is one of the ones that I mentioned. And with all of these Dolphins Wire posts, everything gets posted on Facebook and, and shared, and, and never, ever, pro tip, you work in this industry, never read the Facebook comments on anything. <laughs> but these Dolphins fans in the Facebook comments for this article are losing their minds that I disrespected the Dolphins wide receiver core. And I just want to be like, guys, like, look at the production and look at the durability and look at the price of the players that we have here and tell me that this this does not have room for improvement. There are certain wings of Dolphins fans that st- simply don't want to hear that the wide receiver room is a work in progress. I'm not going to marry myself to Preston Williams being a hard, firm answer that's going to prevent me from drafting a wide receiver in the top 50 of next year's NFL draft. Dolphins are going to have four picks in the top 50 probably. And Preston Williams is going to be coming off an ACL tear this year. That he suffered mid-season last year. Is he going to be 100%? Is he going to be ready for the start of the season? Is he going to start the year on pup? What if he doesn't look good to start the year? Albert Wilson's in a contract year. Jakeem Grant has missed six games apiece each of the last two years and injured both of the last two seasons on injured reserve. And we want to stand pat with the wide receivers? You guys are nuts. Don't just address problems, invest in problems, right? Well, you invested in the offensive line. Next year is going to be your chance to invest in optimal weapons. I would love nothing more for the Dolphins to lock in Matt Breida long-term, but I wouldn't be surprised if they let him walk because you're going to have to pay him a contract. And he's another guy with some durability questions. The Dolphins skill group this this upcoming year in 2021 offseason, don't be surprised if he gets treated with the same conviction that the offensive line did this year. Signed two starters in free agency. End up drafting three guys in the first four rounds between Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, and Solomon Kindly. Just saying. But Dolphins fans are like weirdly attached to some of these wide receivers, and I don't get why. The Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice, and that is why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. We are chugging along here. We got time. We're going to kind of go turbo around here. Uh, Jason Harris, assuming they want Juju, want to move Juju Smith-Schuster, what are the highest picks you would be willing to offer the Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, not a one. Juju is super talented. Just actually signed him, ironically enough. Uh, the Draft Network has a, a premium service, and amongst the features included in that premium service, in addition to trades in our mock draft simulator and some new features we're working on and, and 32 individual NFL draft guides and 32 season previews that's going to be coming out at the end of the summer and so on and so forth, and it, you get the point. Shameless plug. The Draft Network uh, TDM Premium. There's an expert form, which is a Slack channel that you get invited to when you sign up, and these guys started a Madden franchise and uh, may or may not, as the Dolphins played in the Super Bowl my first year with Tua, Shameless plug. 
and uh, signed just, just signed Juju Smith-Schuster in free agency. So I, I think it's a great fit, Juju Smith-Schuster, the Chan Gailey-style offense, Tua Tungabaloa. It all makes sense. I'm not trying to send Pittsburgh back a one for Juju. I understand that's what it would cost. But any team that's getting ready to bring in Juju Smith-Schuster, you have to understand you're trading not just for the player, you're trading for the next contract. The same thing the Houston Texans had to do with Laramie Tunsil, you're going to have to give Juju that contract. And with Ben Roethlisberger back this year, expect a big contract. So the best case scenario for the Dolphins is Steelers suck it up at the beginning of the year. Ben gets hurt again, or Ben does not play well this year, and that in turn hurts Juju Smith-Schuster's value. Because the Steelers, they got Deontay Johnson. They just drafted Chase Claypool in the second round. They've got James Washington, who was a top 100 pick. So, like, they've got receivers. And the Chase Claypool pick is pretty telling in that they might be angling to live life after Juju because of his cap implications and the Steelers' cap as a whole. So the best case scenario is Juju kind of flops to start the year because the Pittsburgh offense is flopped, whether that's because Ben doesn't play well or Ben gets hurt. And then you try and make this deal at the deadline. And if you can flip him at the deadline, you can use the leverage of, well, we don't know if we're going to re-sign him or not because he's in an expiring contract and kind of water down that value. Maybe you could get him for an early two. That's what I would feel comfortable doing. And if not, I would let it come to me. And if he doesn't come to me, it's a really great year to need wide receivers. That's how I would handle the Juju Smith-Schuster thing. Uh, Lewis Nichols, what are the odds that Fitzpatrick is being groomed to take over the quarterback coach role in 2022 and then matriculate into the offensive coordinator position a couple years thereafter? Um, it's really hard to say. Uh, I, I, I don't think Fitzpatrick will walk completely away from the game of football with being so much of a lifer the way that he is, uh, but I think it's trying to connect a lot of dots uh, to push him into uh, quarterback coaching role so quickly while he's still an active player. I, I would certainly put that on a realm of possibility for him and um, Byron Lefwich, who is the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay under Bruce Arians, is a great example of uh, what that pathway can look like, right? Uh, because Byron Lefwich not too long ago was an active quarterback. And he's worked his way up. He was in Arizona for a little while and then obviously now landed under Arians uh, in Tampa Bay. So certainly a realistic pathway. But I don't want to say he's being groomed for that. Uh, Troy Riggins. If there's a season, do you really think the Houston Texans first-round pick gets out of the bottom five? Their schedule is brutal. And no Hopkins. I love Watson, but I predict them going 4-12 and 12 or 5-11, and 11, which would be an amazing trade for Tunsil. Thoughts? Uh, yes, first and foremost, I agree with you. That would be an amazing trade for Tunsil because you'd get a pick in the 20s. Uh, if they ended up with a top five pick, they go 5-11 and 11 and pick fifth, hypothetically. You now got three top 40 picks for Laramie Tunsil, who went on to get paid $22 million a year. Uh, do I think it's realistic that they get out of that range? Yes, but only because they play the Jaguars. Let's not forget, I think the Jaguars are going to be a really bad football team. They're probably going to be in the running for Trevor Lawrence before it's all said and done. They do have a brutal schedule. Their first month of their schedule, they could they could realistically go 0-4. 
And if that's the case, then after Bill O'Brien's torn this team to shreds, here's hoping that the wheels fall off the bus. There's a little bit of a mutiny. Things go sideways. And it might snowball him, and the Dolphins would be the primary beneficiary. El Cid Ciento, can Penn State get over the hump, make it in the top four? Uh, I'm doing the Big Ten for my studies for the Draft Network this summer. Uh, it's my region, dedicated region, and I'm working through you know, all the big names, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, and Wisconsin. I would say this, Penn State has a ton of talent. I think t- Penn State has a better football team this year than Michigan for sure, and if anybody's going to give Ohio State a run for their money, in 2020, it would be Penn State, in my view, in the Big Ten. Uh, Tone Toto, not Finns related, but in your opinion, what is the most realistic football movie ever? Oh, geez. Um, is it bad if I say Any Given Sunday? I love that movie, guys. I, I could sit down on <laughs> first dad joke of the pod. Here we go. On Any Given Sunday to watch Any Given Sunday. Jamie Foxx is Willie Beeman, Al Pacino. Those guys are awesome in that movie. And, and listen, the, the, they don't put too much investment into the on-the-field product, right? And it's more about the dynamics and a culture shift and, and uh, evolving and adapting and, and being a team and uh, the, the kind of the, the pathway and journey from the start of that movie to the end of that movie and the rise of Willie Beeman is is one of my favorite subsections. and So I would say any given Sunday. Lots of questions, man. You guys brought it this week. Uh, Eli, over or under on Matt Breida averaging 4.6 yards per carry this year? I'd say over uh, because I don't think he's going to be a volume back. And I think he's going to be just enough of a change of, pack that, change of pace back that he'll hit some home runs. Uh, Nick Epirato, curious about UDFA Donnell Stanley from South Carolina was there for six years in team captain, wondering if he can make a push to play at center. Um, I mean, never say never, right? And he's he's got the density that the Dolphins look for on their offensive line, so I think he's got that in his corner. Uh, but I think he's center-specific. Ted Karras, they paid on a short-term deal. And the Dolphins need to figure out what the hell they're going to do with Michael Dieter. So I think Donnell Stanley is third in that pecking order. He's going to have to outplay somebody to bump somebody off the roster. Jack Ross, your show opens with Marino saying nobody's better than me. When was that? Who was interviewing him? What specific question was asked? Uh, That was regarding uh, the style of play in the NFL today and how many yards Dan could throw for if he played today and who else could do that. Two more quick questions today. The first comes from a politically fin correct. What do you find more frustrating, a high draft pick that ends up being a bust or having that same player go to five Pro Bowls with another team? Definitely the fact that if he ends up succeeding with another team because that's an indictment and a failure in your coaching staff to be able to put a player in the position to have success and do things he's physically capable of. So if Devontae Parker would have left, and had the season that he had this year anywhere else, it would have been the most maddening thing. It also would have been very peak Miami Dolphins based on uh, some of the poor decisions that they've made hiring coaches. But that is what good coaching is all about, and that's why I have so much faith in where the Dolphins are with Brian Flores because he showed with everything stacked against him last year, he still showed the competency to put players in the best position to be successful 
And that, as we know, as Dolphins fans, is about as rare of a quality as you can possibly find. Uh, last question comes from Chris Ballard, uh, presumably, presumably not the Colts GM, uh, but a question from Chris, a Chris Ballard nonetheless. The last time pro sports canceled a season, it was World War II, but sports have changed a lot since then. How might it affect contracts? Uh, is a rookie contract now effectively three years with no revenue? Do owners just pay out of pocket for guaranteed money? This is a great question, and like, I don't know if anybody knows the answer right now, to be completely honest with you, Chris. I, I think that's the biggest subplot of, as we monitor this moving forward, is the rookie class going to just be rookies next year? Or are they going to get a year of accrued playing time because they were technically in the league and technically under contract even though the games were played? No idea. You can you know, close your eyes and flip a coin because it's that's a, a great mystery right now with no easy answers, and, and it's going to be a fascinating outcome as we move forward. Hopefully we don't have to find out. right? Hopefully we play the games. Hopefully we play all the games, get a taken here. But listen, whether they play or not, I'm, um, I'm operating under the assumption that they're going to play. But no matter what, Locked On Dolphins is going to be here to talk all the Dolphins football you possibly need. So make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Really appreciate everybody carving time out of your day to listen in. Hope to speak with you guys again tomorrow. Kyle Crabb signing off. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, guys.